This is the funniest dang thing that I have heard, and I can't tell you how long. So Jesse Smollett is on trial right now for lying to police and staging this hoax hate crime against himself, paying these two brothers um, from Nigeria, or these two brothers of Nigerian descent, to um, pretend to put a noose around his neck at 2 a.m. in downtown Chicago. He claimed that it was white men wearing mega hats who committed this hate crime against him. And listen, Listen, this is a very interesting cultural phenomenon to watch Jesse Smollett on trial for this because he's doubling down. It's not like he's up there saying, yep, I did this, I was on drugs, I was entitled, I made a huge mistake, a lapse in judgment, I did it, I'm sorry for wasting police resources, I'm sorry for castigating half the country as racist, you know, let's just, let's get on with it, let me repent, let me pay my debt to society, yada, yada, yada. No, no. Jesse Smollett is doubling down. He claims that there was no host. He's gotten actually gotten testy with the prosecutor. Um, he's getting like downright sassy with the prosecutor, um, throwing back these these comebacks like there was no hoax, or it might have been like that, except there was no hoax. Well, listen to this. I cannot tell you. I was sitting here alone in my studio when I read this, and was actually laughing my head off because yesterday the prosecutor was reading Jussie Smollett's text messages. So text messages, just to be clear, sent by Jussie Smollett, written by Jussie Smollett. The prosecutor was reading these Jussie Smollett texts out loud. Jussie interrupts the prosecutor in the midst of this reading of the text and asks the prosecutor not to say the N-word. Now, the N-word was written by Jesse Smollett, sent by Jesse Smollett in Jesse Smollett's text message. The prosecutor was reading Jesse Smollett's text messages verbatim. Jesse Smollett interrupts the prosecutor to say, please don't say the N-word out loud because you're offending all the African-Americans in the room. Like, what? Like, are you, are, is this guy serious? The audacity of this actor, the audacity of this ridiculous person the absolute, I mean, I couldn't even believe this. My mind just like boggled. Like, are you kidding me? You're the one who wrote it. You're the one who texted it. He was reading your text messages verbatim and you're trying to claim that that's racist, but it's okay for you to read it. So the prosecutor actually handled this very gracefully. The prosecutor said, well, why don't you go ahead and read your text messages out loud? And Jesse Smollett did that. He did that because he believes it's okay for him to say the N-word, but it's not okay for the prosecutor to say the N-word. Like I said, this guy is absolutely unbelievable. The funniest darn thing that I have ever heard. Like, who could possibly actually have, I don't even know what the word is, the gumption, the lack of dignity to go up there and say something like that seriously, to interrupt the prosecution and say, you can't say the N-word even though you're reading my text messages. It's perfectly okay for me to say, but not okay for you to say. This guy is absolutely beyond the pale. Oh, and speaking of pale, he, the way he's explaining away his lies, as I said, he's doubling down, he's not apologizing. The way he's explaining away his lies is as follows. So originally, Jesse Smollett said it was white, two white men wearing mega hats, right? Trumpers, those racists. Um, two white men attacked him in downtown Chicago at 2 a.m. with a rope. Um, this was, I mean, it was an unrealistic allegation to begin with. And uh, obviously racially tinged. Well, Jesse Smollett said the reason that he, he changed his allegation from white people attacking him to maybe not white people attacking him. Keep in mind, it was two black brothers of Nigerian descent who helped Jesse Smollett stage this fake hate crime, okay? Not even close to white skin. Well, Jesse Smollett said that the reason he changed wasn't because he was caught in a lie. He changed because not all pale people are white. Not all people with pale skin are white people. So 
He wanted to do the responsible thing and change his original report from white people because he claimed that was an assumption on his part to assume they were white since they had pale skin. And so he changed it to just pale people because it could be pale people of color, I suppose, um, who also fit this description. So his, his lie was a responsible lie. He was just being responsible when he changed his story after he'd been caught. So funny how that coincidentally also uh, lined up with when he got caught and needed to change his story or else he would be exposed in this lie. But he did the responsible thing, not to make an assumption about someone's identity based on the shade of their skin, that they might not be white just because they had pale skin. This guy... This guy, I tell you. This, by the way, this is what happens. This is the liberal left. This is what happens when wokeness infiltrates our society. So here we have Jussie Smollett, who wanted a higher salary on the TV show he was on. That, that was the impetus for staging this fake hate crime. He thought, well, if I get attention, if I'm the victim because I'm gay and I'm black, then my workplace will pay me more money because I've been victimized. So he probably sent himself that letter the same week, by the way, he was the victim of two hate, so-called hate crimes the same week. A letter arrived for him on set with magazine letters like cut out and pasted on a piece of paper. And then a couple days later, he was the victim of this, uh, this subway attack outside of Subway with this rope around his neck, these two brothers, staged, fake, hoax, whatever you want to call it. Um, it's so ridiculous. This is what happens when wokeness pervades. He thinks that being a victim will make him more famous, will turn into more cash for himself. He's so entitled that he thinks he deserves more money. Now, we all might think we deserve more money. That's fine. Do an honest negotiation if you think you deserve more money and the market forces will determine whether or not that's in fact true. But he's so entitled. He's in this bubble of wokeness that he actually thinks half the country who voted for Trump are racist. So racist, in fact. I mean, not only is it a horrendous false allegation that half the country because they voted for Trump are racist, but so horrendously racist that they would stage an attempted lynching, a hate crime, putting a noose around his neck. This is what wokeness does. This is what wokeness is. This is what the Democratic Party is. This is their ideology come to life. Jussie Smollett is the living embodiment of what happened when you are what happens when you are poisoned with radical leftist ideology. Keep in mind, the president of the United States, and I'm talking about the current president of the United States, Joe Biden, tweeted in support of Jussie Smollett at the time. This is what he said. What happened today to Jussie Smollett must never be tolerated in this country. We must stand up and demand that we are no that we are that we no longer give this hate safe harbor. That homophobia and racism have no place on our streets or in our hearts. We are with you, Jussie. This is what Joe Biden tweeted on January 29th of 2019. Now, some of you may say, let me just cut you off at the pass here. Some of you may say, well, Trump also was supportive of Jussie Smollett in the wake of these allegations. That's true. Of course that's true. But let me tell you the difference. Let me tell you the difference between Biden and between Trump. Let me tell you the difference between a partisan hack like Biden, who's willing to exploit fake racial divide and someone who's ethical enough to correct the record when they're wrong. That's the difference, folks. That's the difference, is when President Trump realized that this was a staged attack, a fake attack, a hoax, he condemned it. He changed his mind. He corrected the record. And Biden did not. We have crickets, crickets, silence from the Biden administration. Kamala Harris came to his defense too. Crickets silence from the Biden administration because they don't care that it's false. 
They want it to be true. They need it to be true. This is, as I said, Jesse Smollett is the living embodiment of radical leftist ideology, having poisoned his character to the point that he's doubling down, that it's responsible to tell a lie, that he can say the N-word, but the prosecutor can't. You cannot make this stuff up. Except, of course, Jesse Smollett did. I'm Liz Wheeler. This is The Liz Wheeler Show. So as I was looking at the news of the day today, I I just came to a realization that we need to be listening to the left more. Now, I, I'm not talking about the left's version of listening, which is changing our minds and becoming leftists. I'm talking about we need to be taking what the left says very seriously because we continue to see this pattern. I've noticed this pattern that the radical left will say, will make one statement and we on the right will be outraged about it because it's outrageous. We will push back against it and then... And this, this is maybe just the punditry class, actually, that does this. A little bit um, a little bit from Congress, those who have spines. But mostly, mostly, we hear what the left says. We think it's so outrageous, and then we let it go. We push it under the rug. But then months later, sometimes years later, all of these events happen in our country. Now, and I'm not talking about arbitrary events. I'm talking about events instigated by leftists. And I, I have some examples here, so I'm not, I'm not being vague in just a second. But all these events happen, and they are the manifestation of what the left told us they were gonna do. They told us what their agenda was. They told us what their ideology was. They even told us how they were gonna carry out their ideology, how they were gonna export their ideology into our culture. And I think maybe sometimes we don't believe them. Sometimes we don't take what they say seriously. Sometimes it's easier just to clap back against it on Twitter And we don't actually think strategically, think tactically, how do we cut this off at the pass? Because when the Democrats issue a statement, they mean it. They certainly mean it. And they not only mean it, they've already begun to take action to carry it out. And so the worst position that we as conservatives can be in is just seeing this in the past, seeing this, looking back when terrible things happen, you know, in schools, looking back and saying, oh, actually, the Democrats told us they were going to do this five years ago, but we didn't do anything to prevent it. So now it's a lot harder to turn this to turn the tide around once it's already happened. And I want to I want to talk about this in depth, but first I want to talk to you about American Hartford Gold. I'm sure I'm not the only one who's noticed everything is getting really expensive. We are in the biggest economic crisis since 2008 with a government that's printing trillions and trillions of dollars. Consumer prices are the highest we've seen in 30 years. Inflation is seemingly here to stay. And if the government continues its out-of-control printing and spending, the dollar could continue its freefall and lose its coveted role as the world reserve currency. So how do you protect your money, your retirement, and your savings? Well, American Hartford Gold can show you how to hedge your hard-earned savings against inflation by helping you diversify a portion of your portfolio into physical gold and silver. They'll even help move your existing IRA or 401k out of the volatile stock market into a precious metals IRA, and they make it easy. They are the highest rated firm in the country with an A-plus rating from the Better Business Bureau and thousands of satisfied clients. And if you call them right now, they will give you up to $1,500 of free silver on your first qualifying order. So don't wait. Call them now. Call 855-768-1883. That's 855-768-1883. Or text Liz to 65532. Again, that's 855-768-1883. Or text Liz to 65532. So. Bill de Blasio, Mayor de Blasio, I know that he's the outgoing mayor, but he is still he is still the mayor right now, and he's still acting as the tyrant he is. 
um, issued this vaccine mandate for all private sector employees in New York City. All private sector employees must now be vaccinated or else they will lose their job. Now, this means, of course, that 45% of um, Black teenagers and adults in New York City will be prohibited from working unless they inject themselves with a pharmaceutical that they don't want, but the government wants in them. Yes. Wow. So Bill de Blasio says he expected the pushback from not just conservatives. I mean, this isn't just a partisan issue. There are plenty of independent-minded people, free-thinking people in our country who know that such a mandate as this um, is impractical, unscientific, and tyrannical. This is what Bill de Blasio tweeted. He tweeted, Is it unfortunate that so many people on the far right are hostile to the idea that vaccines work? Yes. Yes, it is. Is that going to stop me from taking action, from keeping our communities safe? Not a chance. This is one of those times that I'm talking about. We need to listen to what Democrats are saying. Because what Bill de Blasio is doing right here is he is saying, if you dissent from my political policy, if you question the mandate that I have issued, if you have an issue with the government telling you what you must do with your body medically, then I'm going to label you as a fringe element. I'm going to label you as far right. I'm going to discredit you and make it seem that you were the dangerous one. So this is a tactic. This is a tactic that we have seen over and over in practice. This is something the Democrats do now. If you dissent in any way, shape, or form, I mean, think of Dr. Fauci. He goes on TV and he says, I represent science. If you question any of the policies that I want to impose, then you are uh, you are questioning science. You're not just questioning science. You are There's an unscientific element, I think he called it an anti-science element because he considers himself to be science. So this, this is what the Democrats do. And we have to be prepared for this, right? We have, to, we have to be prepared for this before it happens to cut it off at the pass or else it's a very effective tactic. It's a very effective strategy. Can you imagine? Can you imagine living in New York? I mean, there's gonna be an exodus out of New York and there should be. I hope all of these New Yorkers flee to the great free states of Florida, the land of sunshine and skeptics and science. But all of these people in New York are now, within a matter of weeks, I think this is two weeks now, are set to lose their jobs, lose their livelihoods, lose their ability to provide for themselves because of de Blasio's vaccine mandate. And if, if you dare to question this, he will label you far right. He will label you. He's actually, it's not even a true accusation. I don't know anybody on the right who questions whether vaccines in general work. Nobody. I don't know anybody who's making that argument. The argument that conservatives and some liberals, lots of independents and free-thinking Americans are making is that Bill de Blasio as the mayor of New York shouldn't be mandating that people have to inject themselves or else lose their job. That's the argument that's being made against government tyranny. It's actually not a scientific argument. It's not an argument that has anything to do with vaccines at all. Bill de Blasio could make a similar could issue a similar dictate about any kind of medical procedure and it would still be tyrannical. But Bill de Blasio is putting words in your mouth and then labeling you with a term that he believes is derogatory, that he believes will relegate you to the fringe elements of society because you dare to question his policy. This is textbook. They plan this. This is how they operate. They do this on purpose because they have to stifle dissent. Because what they're doing right now is they're in the middle of this cultural revolution in our country, the left is. It's almost at this this tipping point in our country where 
if we let them keep going, it's going to be past the point of no return when it comes to the when it comes to Marxism in our country. If we stop them, then we save our constitutional republic the way that our founders intended it. They know they know that we are at the brink of this. They know that this is what they've been building up to for decades now. And so that's why the Biden administration was so bold when they nominated uh, Sali Amarova for comptroller of the currency. This woman who is a communist is a communist. And yet, yet, she was forced, by the way, to withdraw her nomination because not just because of your and my backlash, although that added to it, we certainly played a part in this and we should be very proud of that. But because there were six or no, five, excuse me, five Democratic senators, it's Senator John Tester, Mark Warner, Kristen Cinema, Kirsten Cinema, John Hickenlooper, and Mark Kelly all said that they would vote against Sally Amarova. And so there was no chance that she was going to be confirmed into this position. But listen to this. Listen to how NPR framed the withdrawal of Amarova's nomination. This is what they said. Sally Amarova withdrew her nomination to head the office of the comptroller of the currency, a key role overseeing U.S. banks, after facing personal attacks about being born in the former Soviet Union personal attacks about being born in the former Soviet Union. That's NPR. By the way, your, your tax money and my tax money, we funded this lovely little headline, this little piece of garbage outlet. The New York Times, they did the exact same thing. This is from the New York Times. Sally Amarova, they say, a Cornell law professor whom President Biden picked for a key banking regulator job is withdrawing from consideration for the post. Bank lobbyists and Republicans painted her as a communist because she was born in the Soviet Union. Again, remember, the actual votes that are preventing this woman from being confirmed would be those five Democrat senators that actually saw the truth. So being born in the Soviet Union, painting her as a communist because she was born in the Soviet Union, this is the biggest lie. This is absolutely a falsehood. Absolutely a falsehood. This woman is not a communist because she was born in the Soviet Union. She was born in the Soviet Union and she's a communist. And she's a communist. I have no problem with the fact that she was born in the former Soviet Union. Kudos for her. I mean, none of us can none of us can control where we were born. She's clearly she came to America. She's made something of her life. That's fine. I don't care where someone was born. What I care about is their ideology. I care about what they've said. I care about what policies they support or what policies they oppose. I care whether they support our founding documents. I care what they're going to do with my rights and my liberties. And Sala Amarova has made that very clear. This year, 2021, says nothing to do with the year that she was born or what government was in control of the country the year that she was born. This year, 2021, she said that she wants oil and gas companies to go bankrupt. Um, This is, of course, coming. Think about how much it costs you to fill up your gas tank. She wants oil and gas companies to go bankrupt because she's a radical leftist. She wrote a thesis in college about Karl Marx, and she just two, three years ago, wiped this off of her resume. She was proud of this. This was part of her CV until just a couple years ago. Why is that? Why is that? Was it because it has Marxist ideology in it? Her philosophy hasn't changed. She doesn't want to be challenged on this. And she didn't provide this to the Senate during her confirmation process. She praised the Soviet Union because there was no gender pay gap. Yeah, the socialist, in a socialist country, she praised them because there was no gender pay gap. And by the way, this is not just someone whose personal ideology is poisoned with Marxism, which is obvious, it is, has nothing to do with the fact that she was born in the Soviet Union. Maybe that's where she got her initial indoctrination, but she had the opportunity to reject that as an adult, as an American, and she did not. She did not. That, that is why the five Democratic senators don't want to vote to confirm her. That is why Republicans went after her. That is why Americans 
don't want her in charge of anything in the US government because she's a communist. She's an avowed communist. All of her policies show this. And she's also a person of bad character. When she was 28 years old, and I mentioned the age because it's not like she was 13, it's not like she was 11, it's not like she was eight, 28 years old, she was caught shoplifting $241 worth of clothes and shoes and colognes and belts all in her purse, stuffed in her purse on her way out of a TJ Maxx. This woman's supposed to be in charge of our currency? I don't think so. Her scholarship in college when she wrote that dissertation on Karl Marx, her scholarship was named for Vladimir Lenin. This woman is a communist. It's not because she was born in the Soviet Union. Not at all. Yet NPR and the New York Times, what do they do? They try to turn this around on you and on me and say, well, it's probably a xenophobic thing because we care about where she was born. No, no, we don't care about where she was born. We care about the tenets of the ideology she espouses to this day. But mark my words, this is one of those things that I'm talking about. Listen, listen to what the Democrats are saying. They're trying to hide her communism. They're trying to hide her Marxism. They're trying to hide her socialism. Why? Because they don't want us to study Marxism and communism and socialism because they want Marxism and communism and socialism to be ushered in to the United States of America, maybe without the consent of the governed, accidentally, without people noticing, until it's too late to turn it back. Too late to turn it back. They just ignore it. They reframe it. They act like we're the problem, that we didn't want her because of where she was born. No, no. In New York City, outside of Fox News, um, somebody burned down the Fox News Christmas tree, set it on fire, committed arson, burned it down. It, it went up in flames. And how is the mainstream media presenting this? They're not presenting this as in some radical leftist burned down the Fox News Christmas tree. Some person committed arson and vandalism and ruined Fox News' Christmas tree. No, no, that's not how they're presenting it. They're saying the Fox News Christmas tree was burned down. Fox News Christmas tree caught fire. Fox News Christmas tree. The Fox News Christmas tree is the protagonist in this story. It's funny. As soon as I read this headline today, I thought, it's funny how the Democrats are trying to turn inanimate objects into criminals and how they're trying to turn criminals into non-criminals. We've seen this multiple times now. So the criminal who set Fox News Christmas tree on fire is essentially being ignored. He was arrested, but he's essentially being ignored by the mainstream media. But the same thing happened to the Wakesha car uh, Christmas parade attack. It was the car that drove through the Christmas parade. The car attacked the people. What was ignored was Daryl Brooks, the attacker, the terrorist, the black nationalist who said he wanted to commit violence against white people. He was ignored. It was the car, the inanimate object that committed the crime according to the rhetoric of the left. The same thing Alec Baldwin deployed the same tactic when he was on the mainstream media trying to defend himself for the shooting on the set of Rust. He said he, he, didn't, he didn't aim that gun. He didn't pull the trigger. He wasn't responsible for the discharge. Well, what he was suggesting, I don't know, is he suggesting that this gun just, you know, picked itself up and aimed itself and discharged itself at this woman killing her? But the left accepts this narrative. They accept this narrative that the inanimate object is responsible for the crime because they don't want to acknowledge the criminals that are responsible for the crime because this contradicts their anti-police, anti-criminal justice, low bail, terrible assault on our system of law and justice. I mean, the Democratic Party right now, they're, they're F the police. They're defund the police, abolish the police, abolish prisons. 
You know, letting people go, letting, what did they let? They let Darrell Brooks go for $1,000 after he'd uh, committed heinous crimes. And then right after he was released on that ridiculously inappropriately low bail, he committed this terror attack against the Christmas Parade in Waukesha. Well, this is what happens when you decriminalize people who have committed crimes. This is what happens when you don't put people in prison when they deserve to be in prison. This is what happens when you demonize police, when you defund police, when you advocate for no police to be around. Criminals are going to commit crimes. That's why we have police in the first place, to protect us against these criminals who are always going to commit crimes. But the Democrats can't admit this. They have to ignore the criminals and blame the inanimate objects. You blame that Fox News Christmas tree. You blame that car. You blame the gun on the Alec Baldwin set, not the people, because otherwise it exposes it exposes their ideology as a dangerous fraud. Why wouldn't you commit crimes? I mean, this Fox News Christmas tree, why wouldn't you burn that down if you're a radical leftist? Yeah, he's arrested, but what's the punishment gonna be? He's gonna be let go. He's gonna be let go probably within a matter of days, maybe a slap on the wrist, maybe, if that. Under the Democrats' radical leftist, so-called criminal justice reform, why wouldn't you commit crimes? And the Democrats can't focus on it. So listen to what they say. Listen to how they frame this, because they know the truth but they're trying to slide by us. They're trying to make sure that we don't notice as they take these actions, that we don't notice until after it's too late to turn this tide. It's not just, it's not just inanimate objects. It's not just inanimate objects. If we neglect to listen, then what's happening in Europe, and let me tell you what's happening in Europe is pretty awful right now, will happen here. We're gonna talk about that in a second, but first let's talk about Seoul. Today's episode is actually brought to you. It's sponsored by Seoul, the sustainable orthopedic footwear company that seeks to enhance your mobility and improve your foot health to keep you in the game longer by building shoes from the inside out. 85% of the population will have one or more foot-related ailments in their life. Plantar fasciitis, Morton's neuroma, shin splints, et cetera, et cetera. A lot of these admittedly unsexy ailments can be helped with a footbed. Soul has created a footbed, which they define as a great place to rest your soul. It's affordable, customizable, and improves people's everyday foot comfort. Millions of customers rave about this product, and two-thirds of Soul customers have two or more pairs of footbeds. Once you know the comfort, the pain relief, the performance enhancement and injury prevention benefits of Soul footbeds, you will want them in every shoe you own. Soul has an amazing offer for first-time customers, 50% off if you use my special URL, yoursoul.com slash Liz. That's your S-O-L-E dot com slash Liz. So you can try Soul for yourself. They're so confident that you will love their footbeds that they offer a 90-day money-back guarantee. It's very hard to go wrong here. Yoursoul.com slash Liz. By the way, this offer is applicable to all items on the Soul store, be it footbeds or footwear, yoursoul.com slash Liz. So what's happening in Europe right now is this close to happening right here in the United States. In Italy, an elderly woman was uh, denied access to the train because she did not bring with her the vaccine passport that is required for people to move about their everyday lives. Keep in mind, this is a, an old woman. Take a look at this clip. Green pass, signora. Uh, sì, certificato. Quello del Covid. Ha fatto il vaccino, signora. Sì? Eh, me lo mostra, c'ha un certificato per il Ma vaccino. Ma io non c'ho nulla, io so solo fatto il vaccino e basta. Ti ringrazio, vuol dire che andrò dal dottore e mi farò fare. Tanto... By the way, there's no evidence that she was unvaccinated. She simply didn't have a cell phone. She doesn't own a mobile phone, so she couldn't show the police 
her green pass? What if this woman had been going to the doctor's office? What if this was some kind of emergency? What if she was going to get food? Denied entry on a train because she didn't show her vaccine passport. All in the name of saving lives. All in the name of protecting the elderly and the vulnerable. This is so insane. Bill de Blasio in New York City, by the way, is this close to this behavior. In Germany, police actually detained, they held on to this woman bodily, an old woman, because likewise, she did not produce a vaccine passport. Take a look. Do you see the police officer holding onto her wrist? This is an old woman. These are the people, ostensibly, that the public health policies are supposed to be protecting. And look at how the police is treating them. In Germany, there are signs on shop windows that say, do not buy from the unvaccinated. Take a look at this. Jetzt ist es soweit, den Drecksland. Erst für die neue Drecksregierung. Dann bist du Bescheid. Is that unbelievable or is that unbelievable? It is believable, actually, because they told us, they told us this is what it's going to be like if we had listened to their words. In New Zealand, Jacinda Ardern, the prime minister, literally admitted that there is no endpoint in their vaccination program. Take a listen to this. Mine, so long as there's people who are eligible who haven't been vaccinated, we've got work to do. You know, I don't think I'll ever be satisfied so long as there's someone who's choose, you know, who who is eligible and hasn't been. And that's why I've said this, there's not going to be an end point to this vaccination program. Uh, once we've, obviously, we're rolling out boosters now, so we've got a, another you know, wave of people that we need to make sure that we're protecting again. So um, those who were vaccinated six months ago, we really need them to come back or we need to go to them. Do we believe her? Are we going to listen to her? What are the implications of this? What does this mean? How do we stop this? If we don't ask those questions every time a politician opens their mouth, then we're gonna be the ones that months and months down the line when our liberties and our freedoms are violated, perhaps our bodies even violated, we're gonna look back and say, oh, they warned us they were gonna do that. They warned us we were gonna do that and we didn't do anything about it. We didn't stop them from doing this. We have to take them seriously. I mean, if you, if you think of this like a puzzle and you put together these puzzle pieces, everything that the radical left is doing to try to usher Marxism into our nation, they've told us they were going to do. They've admitted it usually long before they actually implement the policies, before that policy has a manifestation, they tell us in words what they're going to do. They tell us what they support and they tell us why. They tell us that they want Marxism here in the United States. I'm gonna show you that in just a second because it is crazy, it is nuts. But first I wanna to talk to you about Paint Your Life. Paintyourlife.com is just as cool as it sounds. You literally get to turn your favorite memories into art that lasts forever. This is how it works. You submit a picture and an artist turns it into a painting, paints it into a painting. This is such a meaningful gift. This is gonna be a gift for birthdays, for anniversaries, for weddings. And when I first heard about this, I thought, well, this is really cool, but it must be really expensive. It's very affordable, very, very affordable. And also, you get to approve the draft of your painting before the, the artist actually paints it to make sure that it's what you want. And once you do approve it, they ship it to you in as little as two weeks. Again, this is so meaningful. Think about your child's most meaningful moment, a baptism, a birth, a sports game, maybe your first date with your husband, a wedding, a pet. 
that you want to uh, have hanging in your house. I mean, if you want to give a truly meaningful gift, you've got to try paintyourlife.com. It's absolutely phenomenal. Highly recommend. There's also no risk. If you don't love the final painting, your money is refunded, guaranteed. Right now is a limited offer. Get 20% off your painting, 20% off, and free shipping. To get this special offer, text the word Liz to 64,000. That's Liz to 64,000. Liz to 64,000. Paint Your Life is super cool, helping you celebrate the moments that matter the most. So when I say these leftists actually admit what they're doing and they admit the strategy that they're going to use and they admit that their ultimate goal is Marxism, I'm being very, very literal here. So we know that parents across the country are fighting back against critical race theory in um, public schools. And that's just phenomenal to see. This is the kind of movement that must happen if we want to take back our country, if we want to protect our country from the radical left. But we have to ask ourselves at the same time, why did it get to this point before we noticed? Why did it get to the point that our children are being told if they're white that they're oppressors, if they're black that they're oppressed, before we noticed that this was happening? How did this infiltrate even elementary school classrooms before we as conservatives were aware of this? Because the radical left told us a long time ago exactly what they were doing and exactly how they were doing it and exactly why they were doing it. One of the most prominent critical race theorists um, admitted, and th th this is on, by the way, this is on, by the way, academic journals, in an academic journal. Delgado goes, this is what she says, I was a member of the founding conference. Two dozen of us gathered in Madison, Wisconsin, by the way, the founding conference of critical race theory. She's talking about the history of critical race theory. Two dozen of us gathered in Madison, Wisconsin to see what we had in common and whether we could plan a joint action in the future, whether we had a scholarly agenda that we could share, perhaps a name for the organization. I taught at the University of Wisconsin and Kim Crenshaw, Kim Crenshaw, by the way, is like the godmother of critical race theory. Kim Crenshaw later joined the faculty as well. The school seemed a logical site for it because of the Institute of Legal Studies that David Trebek was running at the time and because of the hat, uh, the Hasty Fellowship Program. The school was the center left academic legal thought. So we gathered at the convent for two and a half days, wait for this, around a table in an austere room with a bunch of stained glass windows and crucifixes here and there, an odd place for a bunch of Marxists, she says, and worked out a set of principles. Then we went our separate ways. Most of us who were there have gone on to become prominent critical race theorists, including Kim Crenshaw, who spoke at the Iowa conference, as well as Mari Matsuda and Charles Lawrence, who are both here in spirit. Derek Bell, she references. She goes on to talk about how they disseminate critical race theory through academia, through the school system, through the public school system. She admits an odd place for a bunch of Marxists where critical race theory was formed, where critical race theory was born. They, they told us what they were doing. We just weren't paying attention. They told us what they were doing. They were forming a strategy to disseminate critical race theory. They were gonna use the public schools to do it, to indoctrinate children, to stoke this racial divide, to help usher in Marxism into our country. They told us. We have to pay attention. We have to be ahead of the curve. It's one thing to play defense and to fight these things once we see the manifestation, once these poisonous weeds start, have started growing in our public school system, it's another thing to recognize that this could happen if we don't put a stop to it before it happens. It's the difference between playing checkers and playing chess, but we as conservatives, we're up to this. We're up to this fight. We can play at this level. Otherwise, like in California, we see this, the manifestation of this in California. They have this woke math curriculum that they're fighting over right now that's trying to usher in equity in mathematics. Equity in mathematics they define as teaching towards social justice. And this is essentially dumbing down curriculum is what it's doing. They wanna completely eliminate algebra one from eighth grade because some kids 
aren't ready for Algebra 1 in eighth grade. So the advanced kids who are ready for Algebra 1 in eighth grade aren't going to be allowed to take it if this curriculum standard takes effect. But we're fighting this once it's already once it's already on the docket, once it's already impacting our kids, instead of listening to what the critical race theorists said they were going to do a long time ago. The same thing is happening in Chicago. Chicago is now implementing a gender-neutral bathroom policy where your gender identity dictates what bathroom you use and not your actual gender, not your biology, not your DNA, not your body. It's harder to fight these things once they've already manifested. And they warned us that they were also going to use gender. You know, you've heard critical race theory. There's critical gender theory as well. That they're going to destroy the family. Marxists and socialists and communists have had a bullseye on the back of the family for literally decades. We're talking Karl Marx on. Socialists and communists and Marxists have tried to destroy the family. They've just tried to destroy marriage. They've tried to destroy women. They've tried to destroy babies via abortion. And now they're trying to destroy gender to destroy the entire structure of the family. They told us this was going to happen. We have to listen to these things. When we listen to them, we'll know exactly what they're going to do, exactly what they're going to do. Um, Instead, we see parents now, there's a parent who uh, tweeted the following. This is what her child is dealing with in school. She said, they introduced a new rule at my daughter's sadistic school today. In addition to making them eat socially distanced and silent, they made them use test dividers so they cannot even see each other. This is abuse. She then added an additional tweet to that and said, so I got called by the school today telling me I have to take down this tweet. I declined. First of all, kudos. Kudos for refusing to take down this tweet. You are absolutely entitled to your right to free speech. You can, in fact, expose what's happening at your child's school. But this is the idea that parents are not in charge of their children's health, that the school, on behalf of the state, actually has ownership of your child. This is the next stage of the battle from the radical left when it comes to the, this, this cultural overtaking of our institutions. They've tried to destroy the family. They're using gender to do, to do that. And now they're trying to separate parents from children. They're trying to destroy parental rights. And if we don't stop this at the past, then what's gonna happen is months down the line, maybe years down the line, we're gonna look back and say, oh, we did actually hear them say that they don't think parents have the final say over their children, whether it's education, whether it's health, they think the state does, and the public school acts on behalf of the state. So we as conservatives, we have to put this puzzle together, we have to listen to their words, and we have to believe them. If we don't believe them, we're gonna constantly be playing a game of defense. It's not until we turn this on its head and start playing offense that we're actually going to turn the tides of the cultural battles. Otherwise, it's just gonna be a giant game of whack-a-mole. But we can do it because we're smart, the conservative movement, you and I, we are up for this task. All it takes is believing the left, whether it's a tweet from Biden, whether it's critical race theorists gathering together in a university plotting the demise, whether it's the New York Times and NPR castigating, putting false words in our mouth and castigating us as fringe elements, whether it's de Blasio pretending that you're essentially a terrorist if you uh, and an anti-vaxxer and anti-science if you don't want the mayor of New York telling you what you have to put in your body. We don't have to wait until these people put their policies into action to stop them. We can listen to their words and believe them and stop them, and we should. If you haven't already subscribed to the show, please do so on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, wherever you watch and listen. 
um, to your pods. If you are not a VIP on Locals, I invite you to join us over on the Liz Wheeler Show community. It's a wonderful community. And between now and Christmas, we have a great, the cheapest rate you'll ever get, basically, um, to become a VIP. $56 to be an annual VIP. You get amazing benefits, extended interviews, um, VIP access to ask questions. We do lives all the time. All kinds of fun stuff. Tens of thousands of us over there. If you haven't already joined, I invite you to do so now. LizWheelerShow.com slash locals. The cheapest price that you'll probably ever see. $56 a year to be part of that community. Thank you for watching today. Thank you for listening. I'm Liz Wheeler. This is The Liz Wheeler Show. The Liz Wheeler Show is produced by Jonathan Hay. Executive producer, Chad Abbott. Director of photography, Kevin McRoberts. Editor, Alejandro Figuerilla. Sound mixer, Robin Fenderson. Director of marketing, Emily Washler. Production and talent coordinator, Matt Toffler. And senior publicist, Patricia Jackson. This has been a Soundfront production.